Hi, this is the Always Be Watching podcast. My name's Chris. I'm one of your regular hosts. Um, I'm joined by my uh, co-host of also regular acquaintance, Dan. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. How are you, Dan? Oh, look, I'm doing fine. We're also uh, very lucky to have in the studio for a second week in a row. Imagine coming back twice, making the trek twice. Well, we have him actually tied down. Like He's literally <laughs> hogtied to the chair. It's our dear friend Blake from um, various 2000 podcasts fame <laughs> that I can't possibly mention them all. Um, but thank you for coming back again. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, this is a show where we talk about the TV shows we've been watching. Sorry, it's got nice of Dan to give me the, the co-hosting um, run every now and then, but um, not the professional that he is. So let me start again. This podcast, we like to talk about um, things that we've been watching in a casual manner, as you would say, what? around a water cooler. Well, instead of maybe a water cooler, let's maybe talk to the way that people actually watch these things. Okay. So let's say you're at local Nando's. <laughs> you're chowing down some mild tenderloins. You've got some delicious peri-peri chips. And you're just making casual conversation with your you know, friend across the table. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what have you been watching on TV? And so we try to capture the spirit of that. I can't believe you brought this up. You were supposed to bring Nando's this week for dinner, and you didn't. I thought we were just going afterwards. Okay, we'll go after. I mean, these bindings are hurting, but I would really have put my hand up for some Nando's. <laughs> How good's Nando's? Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, sponsoring this podcast from this episode forward, I, I would hope. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, I'm going to kick things off, Dan. I'm going to take the initiative. Are we going to talk about one show each again this week? Yeah, I think, I think we so. should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I am going to do the uh, the noble thing and open the mic to our very special guest, Blake, and ask you, Blake, what have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching an incredible crime series called Unbelievable. You okay? You comfortable? Yeah, I'm good. Amber, all our research has shown that the sooner a victim of a crime talks about it, the better his or her recall is. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to dive right in. Sure. Um, where would you like me to start? Let's start with background. That's your building there? Uh, yeah. Apartment B4. How long have you lived there? Three months. I moved out here for school. I'm at Tabor College. What are you studying? Computer science. Smart. A lot of work in that field. Mm-hmm. Where'd you move from? Chicago. Miss it? Yeah. But it's... It's nice here, too. Uh, top line stars, Tony Collette. I think Aussie Tony Collette is the one you could think of. If people uh, around podcasts, um, it's actually based off, uh, based off of a This American Life investigation and story and, and was sort of all unpacked into that. Essentially, um, it's also got Merritt Weaver. Again, if you're a fan of Netflix, you would have seen her, um, oh, my God, on that cowboy show, the actual good cowboy show, had Jeff Daniels in it, Dan Helmy. Uh, that was... Gosh, I want. To, it's called. It's called. It's and a it was, single word name. It a, and it was also a terrific show. And I'm gonna lose it. And Godless is Godless. the series. Terrific series. Also, Merritt Weaver is a star of that. Um, Scott Frank, a terrific filmmaker and a screenwriter, went and did that sort of limited series. So um, he he wrote and directed all eight episodes. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So look, it's it's based. Um, you know, it, it has like this. Murder- also, Merritt Weaver, people may know from Nurse Jackie, was one of yeah, the big shows. Yeah. And also from Aaron Sorkin's probably best TV show. Uh, Studio 60 on Sunset. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love what I'm like. I know Dan's yeah. joke's coming because his eyes <laughs> Yeah, I know. He gets that little eyes twinkle. twinkle. Even though his face stays straight, his eyes twinkle. But it's, um, How it's does a, he do that? It's, it's a weird. 2015 news article. It was actually called An Unbelievable Story of Rape. And it was written by T. Christian Miller and Ken Armstrong. Um, it was... Uh, 
basically the premise of the show. It's a dramatization that happens from 2008 to 2011 in Washington and Chicago. And the show kicks off. Um, it's got, you know, uh, I'll just go to like the key cast. It's one of the um, girls from Booksmart, actually, is um, Caitlin Deaver is, is in the show. She's a very young looking girl and it's very pertinent to the story. She wakes up in her apartment. She's a young, troubled girl. She's been orphaned and she's in this like home for other orphans that are sort of ingratiating themselves into society and she's raped. And she's approached by police and she starts to recount the stories of her tale. And as she's recounting different versions of this tale and as she's, you know, unpacking the trauma, um, the story changes, it shifts and she misremembers things and, and, and is completely flustered. And so you in the opening episode of this show is thinking, God, this person couldn't possibly be telling the truth. You know, this is, it's a falsity. Someone's trying to get attention, etc. And anyway, she's kind of dismissed and it's, this, it runs in two really key chains. It's this story of this poor girl who is struggling to be believed for the entirety of the series and this really phenomenal, like, true detective on par detective pairing of Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette who find this real psychopathic rapist who is so clinical in the way that he, you know, terrorizes people um, that he leaves basically no evidence, just a trail of victims along the way who um, have these horror stories. And it's a phenomenal eight-episode series that sort of has these two things happening in parallel. Um, Great for anyone who's a really super-obsessed detective thriller process, agonizing detail of investigation sort of person. Um, But the fact that it's a true story and the fact that it's these women and and very much their, their personality and their and their innate sort of emotional acuity um, helps them sort of feel out the victims, understand um, what's going to happen next and sort of push this investigation to the next level. And it's incredible. Like, it, like I, uh, uh, the first episode, if you're watching it on Netflix, which in Oz you will be, it's it's really agonizing viewing and it's really it's almost something that you would abandon because it's really tough to watch. But the actual series itself um, uh, that, d- that dives through this and, and how difficult and how tough that first episode is is really just to set the scene for what kind of show it's going to be. But... It's like one of the best detective series I've seen in a very long time. Netflix have three, uh, you know, crime-based series that have launched in the last couple of, like, last month and a half, we'll say. So there's this program. There's also Mindhunter being the David Fincher um, eight-part series. Uh, And then you've also got this new show that I've launched called Criminal, which takes place in interrogation rooms. So... Uh, it's set in the UK, Germany, and France as well. France. It's a six, I think there's six countries yeah, mm. that are doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think they do three episodes in every country. And it's just really interesting that if you look at both Mindhunter and Criminal, both of them are very sort of cold clinical stories where while there's certainly some humanity at the core of it, it's very much about sort of voyaging into the mind of the person who may or may not be responsible for it. But I haven't seen um, Unbelievable yet, but it strikes me that this show maybe has more of a actual sort of emotional human connection to it and the way the other shows just feel so much more clinical. It's funny, you um, Bill Chambers is an editor of a terrific independent film site called filmfreakcentral.net. So if you're a movie nut, you got to read it. Um, a, one of the senior film critics on the site is Walter Chaw, um, who's, uh, who's a friend of mine and um, 
uh, Walter's one of the best film critics working today. Um, Bill tweeted something. He's like, <laughs> Bill tweeted something about the series, saying something like, "Oh, Unbelievable's like Mindhunter, but with humans." Um, <laughs> because in Mindhunter, the uh, these are constructs, right? We're dealing with these mythical serial killer things that yeah, have their yeah. own fandoms, their own surroundings, and and David Fincher, and also not a criticism. Like not, Mindhunter not, is just phenomenal not, TV. No, but, Mindhunter's phenomenal, yeah. but it's 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 a much more clinical, insular. Uh, thing and this is a this is a raw um, and also I think it's the the distance of not being contemporary helps you be a little bit more clinical with the the happenings of Mindhunter. It's a bit of a mm. um, it's 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 a fictionalization of real people and, yeah. and they do that. But this is like uh, doing a dramatization of something that really happened of a real news article with real people and it just has an immediacy and a humanity that's like it's really it's a really gut wrenching series, but. Oh my god, is it is it extremely rewarding and just terrifically made top to bottom and just great TV. And I love, you know, I'm a super biased person as a mad cinephile. Um, whereas someone's like, this is a here's a 24 episode series that you have to watch 45 minutes of every episode. I'm like, see ya. Um, but this eight episode series, pound for pound, is just like. Wow, wow. Um, and uh, you know, there's other shows like that this year that have come out, like a Flea Bag or something like that, where six twenty-five minute episodes ish. Uh, you know, they just knock your socks off. And I'm a huge fan of that. So yeah, this this series really consumable, um, even though it's tough, but just outstanding. It just knocked my socks off. I'm uh, interested in the involvement of Michael Chabon. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Yeah, Chabon, yeah. yeah. Uh, who wrote that fantastic book, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Mm. Yes. Uh, which I really, really liked. How, how is he involved in this? Um, Exec- executive producer um, is pretty much the title. There's a stack of them. Even Ira Glass gets a producing credit, who's, uh, you know, this American yeah. life guy. But um, there's, yeah, there's, uh, he's, he's just sort of over, overseeing. Quite, yeah, interesting. I mean, he's a fantastic writer. And I know this, he's been starting to, there's been a lot of talk of him getting into filmmaking, which I don't think he's done a lot of yet, right? No, he's actually one of the... In fact, he might even be a showrunner of Picard, which is the Star Trek. Ah, that's what else yes. I read. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting and too. And look, the other, the other big ones, so these these two names people may not be as familiar with, but I just want to give them a shout out. So Susanna Grant um, is... Uh, Susanna Grant is one of the... Of, of the tr- sort of triumvirate of creators of the show, and one is Michael Chabon. The next one is Susanna Grant, who is the writer. Um, she's a screenwriter, but most famously for um, Aaron Brockovich. Oh, um, wow. So as, as as far as Oscar-winning pedigree goes there. Um, and Ailette Waldman um, is the other one who... Um, she's an, another novelist um so has has done and and is michael chebon's spouse so ah, um, so these three have formed the sort of basis and created the show and 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 they've you know executive producing it and, mm. and curating it but just a terrific like it's it's probably going to be one of those one and dones um but just a, a, an outstanding show yeah and he's that, actually written two of the episodes yeah oh ah, yeah right another cool precedent is the idea that an episode of a podcast could become a film I'd like to see the episode of this podcast become a film. <laughs> I think that would be really, really interesting. What, what a movie. <laughs> Who's playing me? <laughs> Merritt Weaver? <laughs> Obviously Merritt Weaver. Um, I could get played by um, Rizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh. I've always thought if a movie was going to be made where I'm a character and I should be played by Sam Levine. <laughs> you, you. I, I was going to say you wish, but that would just be mean. But um, you do wish you were Sam Levine a little bit. I do. Bit. And you are, you are similar. Hmm. You have some similar qualities. Oh, yeah. Sam Levine. 
<laughs> Googling Sam Levine. Just because I was like looking up Michael Chabot and um, IMDb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look at like, that. Because <laughs> uh, I was looking at Michael Chabot. The I was only non-successful his... one from Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, I was looking at Michael Chabot's upcoming projects. And in addition to Star Trek Picard, as mentioned, he's also working on Mask. If anyone remembers the 80s like action. Oh my god. Remember yes, Mask? of course I remember Mars. All the vehicles that do stuff. Yeah, what was the premise? Because they were kind of like Transformers, but not as versatile. Oh, I really couldn't answer that at all. I think they were just like fancy cars that had rockets and stuff that came out of them. I yeah, think pretty people much. wore the machinery, though, from memory. Like they wore like mech suits kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, sort of thing. Mm. I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway, this that's is fantastic. the second podcast in as many weeks that I've talked about Mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Sorry, I hadn't I, thought about it in 20 years. I, I presume the other person to mention it was Michael Mann? No, not Michael Mann. Actually, <laughs> uh, actually Travis Johnson, um, a uh, writer about town. Uh, you'll see his work on flicks.com.au. We were talking about it. He, his theory was that in, in one no day... no way am I surprised that Travis mentioned Mars. He's, he's like, in one, in one, he's, his theory is that in the Fast and Furious universe, at, at some point, he's like, he's just waiting for them to merge with Hasbro. And so he's like, someone's going to walk out. <laughs> oh, wow. Someone's going to walk out in the gear. Kurt Russell, perhaps, you know, something like that. Oh, I look forward to that. Thank you very much. I'm doing a terrible job of hosting here. I'm getting the wind-up from Dan. I was just scratching my ear. Um, <laughs> uh, it was on, ne- it's on that's Netflix. That's on Netflix. On Netflix. I haven't heard a bad thing about this show. Everyone's, everyone I've talked to said amazing things about it. So as soon as I get over watching um, Peep Show again, I will probably watch it. <laughs> Dan Barrett, I know you've watched a lot of things this week. Cause, Chris Yates, um, I've seen so much TV this last week, it's crazy. <laughs> there is a lot of TV. This is, this is your Christmas time of year, really, isn't it? Because it's when all the new terrible shows come and you get to watch them and then talk about all the things you don't like about them, which is two of your favourite things to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, <laughs> the thing is, I've seen so much TV, which has given me the excuse not to leave the house. Excellent. Okay, usually I just don't leave the house, but I've got the excuse this week, which has been fantastic. Research. Doing research, darling. <laughs> well, the little lady's been away in a state, so it's uh, been yeah, perfect. True. Yes, yeah. Anyway, first of all, very dismissive calling it the little lady. I won't do that again. Never again. Secondly, you're probably asking what I've been watching. What have you been watching this week, Dan? At the beginning of last week's show... I was talking about how I was waiting desperately for a new program to start called Stumptown, and it lived up to expectation. Mm-hmm. That never happens. Okay? Never. So, there was a second <laughs> program that I was waiting and desperately wanting to see called Evil. True or false, I like mechanics magazines. <laughs> Are you serious? False. I have diarrhea once or more a month. False, but thanks for asking. I like the sound of a woman screaming. How many times have you declared a defendant sane? Forensic psychologist doesn't declare. How many times have you determined the defendant had the mental capacity to be prosecuted? 34 times. Is my client possessed by a demon? Are you referring to demons metaphorically or clinically? This is a show that's by Robin Michelle King. They're a husband and wife writing duo. They are responsible for the following shows. The Good Wife, one of my oh, favorite shows of all time. Go. The go Good on. Fight, the spin-off from The Good Wife. Equally as good, if not better at times. If, if I haven't heard this guy rant about these two shows that I'll never watch for more hours in my life than I probably could have spent watching them. Anyway, continue. Chris, you would love them. I'm sure I would. And also this really interesting show which got cancelled <laughs> after the first season called Brain Dead. Love each of these programs. And I sat down with Evil and I'm like, look, you're three for three at the moment. How could you possibly fail on me? And Chris, i got to tell you, lived up to expectation. Oh, wow. boo. Absolutely loved it. Now, this, this is the happiest I've ever seen you. <laughs> Look, this is... I don't even know how to describe this. So, the previous uh, three shows, you've got two which are court procedurals. 
And then you've also got one which was a really weird political sci-fi show. So they've got some range, these writers. Mm -hmm. So when I heard they were creating this show, I thought, you know what? This doesn't sound like it's in their wheelhouse, but it's absolutely in their wheelhouse. So this is the little blurb on it as coming from imdb.com and what more a, you know, official (laughs) source can you have? A trusted outlet. Okay, so a sceptical female clinical psychologist joins a priest in training and a blue-collar contractor as they investigate supposed miracles, demonic possession, and other extraordinary occurrences to see if there's a scientific exploration or if something truly supernatural is at work. I've seen this before. It's called the X-Files. Well, okay, so this is the thing. I was originally going to this thing it's very <laughs> X-Files-y, but it's not quite I don't quite know if the... you've heard of the X-Files. Have you, are uh, you across it? I saw an episode back in the 90s. I've seen a lot of the Xbox. Okay, so... I, no, I, I got the joke. Yeah. <laughs> I love when Dan brings the pamphlet to explain his yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, what Chris is indicating <laughs> is that the show that went for many... No. So, the thing with Evil was, I thought this sounds very X-Files, but they've got three people instead of two investigating and mm. whatever. So, 33% but, better, yeah, perhaps. Possibly. 33% more Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really quite that. So, if you think about The Good Wife as being like a much better version of LA Law... This is kind of like the equivalent of the X-Files spin-off series, Millennium, if you remember that from the mid-90s. So, Millennium was Nobody this... Nobody does except you, do. People do. There's at least two people listening right now. Did it have... Lance um, Hendrickson in it. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson. Yeah. Yes, I do remember. And I was being facetious. What was cool about that show is that it was something which was never going to be popular because it was just a little bit too dark and a little bit strange and quirky and just a bit too offbeat. It offended a lot of people with its take on religion. It definitely made people feel uncomfortable. And I think that's where this show is occupying. So when this show gets cancelled after one season, (laughs) I'm not going to be surprised at all because this is a show that really takes some... I don't want to say there's a lot of bold risks because I don't think that's really present in this. It is very much a network. But in the same way that The Good Fight was... Well, The Good Wife and then Good Fight is a show that took a very sort of generic TV sort of premise and really sort of pushed at the margins a fair bit and Mm. what you could get away with on broadcast. I think this is doing the same. It's not really entirely... Like, it's not a dark program. Like, it's definitely dark, but it's not like you're going to be feeling just like your skin's, like, Mm. crawling while watching this. It's very accessible. But at the same time, like, there's just, like, this real sort of strong, creepy undertone to it where I was feeling genuinely unsettled watching it. There's laughs to be had. Like, it's a genuinely funny, engaging program. But at the same time, like, it's it feels so grounded, in a sense, while dealing with ideas of supernatural, demonic possession and the idea that you can fake your way through that as well. Yeah, I, when, as soon as I started reading the blurb on the show, just as we've been talking, I, I, it reminded me of, like, the movie Stigmata. Like, in a couple of years, Stigmata and yeah. End of Days happened, like, in, yeah, the, yeah, nine, yeah. in the 90s. And in both those years, I don't think people, like, remember, but they were both top 10 grossing movies yeah, of the yeah, years. Right. Like, this kind of supernatural investigation, possession, and, and, that, and that element of, like, um, engagement between law enforcement and sort of, like, and men of the cloth, so to speak, to uncover these sort of demonic things it, it has like St- a Stir of Echoes was also Stir a similar Stir of Echoes is yeah. around that time it's, yeah, it's, wow. there's something about that and I don't know if people have like maybe maybe these the, these creators have kind of gone back into that wheelhouse but like I think about those movies fondly because I'm like, especially Stigmata, I think is the better of the three. But I'm that was, like, was that Gabriel Byrne? Gabriel Byrne, oh. yeah. Um, and, and, I can't remember. Maybe, oh, I yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, so oh, big uh, cast, but I, but, I, but I remember, I remember those movies fondly and going like, yeah, this is the kind of this is. I don't know it's got something about it. There's something visually, I'd say it's actually very similar to yeah. 
Yeah, both yeah. those. What was interesting is because both those came along at the end of the 90s. Yes. And I feel like Stereo Vecos was roughly about then. I feel, maybe yeah, Stereo Vecos was a few in, years I'm later. I'm in a vamp while we, uh, yeah. while we dive into that very great site, the IMDb, to, to find Stereo Vecos. Yeah, imdb.com. It's very popular. <laughs> <laughs> All those films kind of came out right at that turn of the century. Yeah, where, 99 for Stereo Vecos. You were yeah. spot on. Uh, right at the end of the turn of the century, New Millennium was coming. I think it was just like a general sense of unease that it wasn't really... Like, I just kind of felt like people thought that, like, bad things were coming. Yes. And that definitely played out. <laughs> yes. And I don't think anyone was, uh, yeah, wrong there. No. And right now, it seems like this is a time period where people are very uneasy about all and sorts of things happening in the world. And superstitious, too, about stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, seeing patterns in history and things like that. It's yeah, actually really... I don't think we're quite seeing that sort of thing at the moment, but, like, maybe this is the foundation. This is where we're going to start seeing that take mm. up a bit more. It would be nice to see a bit more of that come back, I yeah. think. You would enjoy it. I would, as He's a so happy, pessimistic right? guy. Yeah. So when- but yeah, no, this is just a really cool show, and I hope, because it, it hasn't actually got an Australian air date yet. This is airing on CBS in the US. Will, um, will that come to the CBS 10? Uh, uh, 10 All Access. 10 All Access. Not many CBS shows tend to, but most of the CBS shows just land on Channel 10 lately, so... Right. Hopefully, we'll see it sooner than later. Great. And when it comes, like, hopefully it hasn't been cancelled in the US by the time we get it here <laughs> in Australia. Because I've just got a bad feeling it's not quite going to uh, grab the world in a way that I think it should. Uh, I've got a big problem with US broadcast TV. It hasn't been very good for quite a number of years. Um, I bang on a lot about my love of the show ER, which I wasn't. I didn't really care about ER much. Like, I loved it in the 90s, but, like, I tapped out after a couple of seasons. It but went for, like, 25 years or something. Uh, it went for 15 years. Mm, a long time. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe 14 seasons. It's yeah, like it's too long. Definitely thereabouts. Uh, I mean, I would argue on that one. <laughs> but the thing with ER was that like, I sat down and did this rewatch recently, and it's just amazing TV. Like, it just holds up remarkably well for a show that started in, like, 94. You can watch a 94 episode, and it still feels just as relevant today. And since then, there haven't been that many broadcast shows that have really, like, worked to that level of quality. So you had, like, The West Wing come along for a while, and then The Good Wife was probably the last one to really come along. It's the last big one. After that, they've just been like generic trash. Like it might be watchable, you might get a bit of a kick out of it, and well, some of these get, shows well, might fall into. You get something that's cancelled, like a Hannibal. You get something emerged yeah. that's yeah, on network so, TV, yeah. and you're just like, last of what three seasons? Hannibal. Three seasons, and it's like impossible. barely watched. Yeah, impossible yeah. that it's it was able to exist in yeah. this form. The Exorcist was another good show, and these all these are all very dark sort of supernatural yeah. things. Yeah. Coincidence, but yeah, you yeah. Know, there's maybe something to it where you got these shows just operating on the margins. Yeah, um, Brain Dead was another good one, but yeah, like most of them are just generic just dick wolf style tv drama and there's nothing wrong with that like that can be fun and enjoyable to watch but they're not really necessarily just like good quality dramas in the way that cable is outputting yeah they're just televisual yeah. white noise that's what they are but yeah like last week i was talking about Stumptown, which i love but that's also just very generic tv just done very well and yes. i loved it for that but evil i do think is definitely elevating it's doing something very special and you know i think it's just great tv excellent mm. so we can't actually watch it yet though can't i'm gonna keep it. an eye that's uh, that's gonna keep me on the 10 all access thing I'm yeah, check that out. take a look. Oh, Chris, <laughs> you've watched stuff, surely. I watched a heap of stuff this week. You'd be surprised. I did a lot of research, uh, as we call it. Um, but the thing I'm going to talk about is the Netflix original film, Between Two Ferns, the movie. Hey, look at this, okay? These are my clicks. My website runs on clicks. Can you see that? It's a lot of clicks. Where's the fat drooping off your eyebrows impairing your vision? Besides, you killed Matthew McConaughey. He's dead? Well, they administered CPR to him and, and he he brought back to life. But but yeah, he was he was momentarily dead. You are a murderer. It was I, a temporary murder. If it, it was not a it was not a murder. Fine. 
I'll keep your secret, okay? But you owe me. Owe you what? Ten episodes of Between Two Ferns, all right? And I need them three weeks from today. No, hold on, let's make this interesting. How about two weeks from today? 9 a.m. How? I can't film here anymore. You're just gonna have to go to the celebrities, wherever you can find them, across the country. But what do I get in return, Mr. Farrell? You will be showered in gold and spices and rare gems, rubies and emeralds. But I don't want that stuff. If money is not the treasure that you desired, then, then say it. What doth thy envision? I want my own network talk show, five nights a week with an applause sign and an audience. I want people to laugh with me, not at me. Fulfill the contract, you got a deal. 10 of your dumb internet talk show, and you give me a lifetime network talk show. Lifetime? I'm a white man, and I'm straight, and I deserve it. Fine. Your own talk show on the Lifetime Network. I'd take it. I just take it now. Done. Done. <laughs> Fantastic. Chris, explain the premise of this to us. Well, you know how, uh, you know, when it comes to watching movies, Dan, I'm a bit of a, uh, I don't like to get too deep. I like things to be a bit stupid. And I don't <laughs> like to have to think very much. Uh, did and this so- film, this motion picture experience fit the bill? Man, it's so good. Have, has anyone watched it? I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, right. Did uh, you watch it yet? I've seen episodes of the show with the star of it, Barack Obama. Yes, that's right. I'm so bro- yeah. Look, Sorry, I think it was safe. So like, it's such a awesomely uh, ridiculous concept behind the whole thing. It's this, you know, straddling reality where it's um, start. It's it's a it's sort of a pretend documentary, um, which you know, as we we haven't seen bef- we haven't seen anywhere near enough of. Um, Would you suggest it goes as far as being a mockumentary? A mockumentary, sure. Why not? Um, you know, the concept is very, uh, it's ridiculous. So it, it sets up with um, Will Ferrell talking about how he found this freak in the woods called Zach, who um, was just so awkward and so ugly and so horrible to be around that he just wanted to like make fun of him by getting his celebrity friends to come in and sit between two ferns on this talk show. And That's like how I started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you just, you just beat me to it. Um, and of course, at the same time, you've got Zach telling the story uh, to the camera about how he has just you know always wanted to be one of the great tv um hosts uh and then what you get of course then is small small snippets of what would be 12 episodes of um between two ferns which is a uh, show where he sits with a celebrity and um mocks them basically is that an accurate way of describing the show okay the important question here is what celebrity cameos do we get through this so many. Um, oh, sorry, follow-up question. Should, should, should I even spoil know? them all? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't spoil them all. The, be- the best one, I think, well, there's, there's a lot of good ones. There's, a, there's one of note that I will talk about because we always talk about this. And, and this was one of the things... Did you, I thought it was I thought it was really good. It was it was like it was actually harder to watch than I thought. Like I expected it to be the the, the riot the laugh riot that the show is. It wasn't quite that. It was kind of like the the sort of story was a bit you know the farce around the story took up a bit of space where there could have been jokes. Um, very funny. I think that the actual um, you know is this a, is this a spoiler? I'll just re-edit it if it's not like the you know the end credits where there's like 
the the bloopers. The you bloopers. Know. The bloopers yeah, at the end. This movie for the bloopers. You are watching it for the bloopers. I mean, that is. Oh, there was like belly laughs of like it was kind of like the whole the the anxiety and the cringe you feel throughout the whole entire thing was like unleashed in this thing. Um, Dave Letterman's one of the guests on it, so this is interesting because of course Dave got Zach onto his. Um, show my next guest needs no introduction. Um, one of the only decent episodes of that season, of the second season of my next guest needs no introduction, I would argue. And it was really interesting to see Dave talk about how much he loves Zach, how much he loved to, between two ferns, how much regard he had for it and stuff. And then, um, so to see Dave then be an, an, an actor on it was kind of good. But the thing that sort of made it really hard to take out of the context there is that the the, the thing that broke down that sort of realism that you might have been... No, there's no realism. But if there was some <laughs> realism, um, I, there's no way that Dave could have sat there with a straight face while Zach riffed on him with such amazing, amazing, you know, wit. So it's um, that was that was kind of funny to watch. And in the bloopers, seeing Dave belly laugh, as you would expect him to, well... Zach gives him shit is very amazing. Important question. Mm-hmm. At any point, does Dave Letterman call him a pinhead? <laughs> Might have happened. I can't remember. I can't remember. Hey, There's a good chance could, it happened. Could, could have happened. Um, but I think, look, I really... It's it's exactly what it says on the box. Um, it, I, I thought it was great that it was that instead of just a... Uh, you know, it was nice that it had this sort of stupid story along it instead of it just being a... Um, Long between two ferns or a bunch of stuff in there. It it did seem it it reeks of like you know we should we want to make it you know they they obviously had an offer to make something and then we're like oh god how do you make something how do we make a movie out of this damn thing and then that's the best they could come up with which is fine. So obviously you don't want to talk about the celebrity cameos. So maybe just working off the material that we do have. Uh, you've obviously seen a lot of the TV show, well, the web series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do the two ferns from the series reprise their roles in the movie? They do indeed, and there's a lot of... They, they, you, you'd be shocked to learn just how much those ferns mean to Zach. Uh, a lot of the emotional poignant <laughs> moments from the scene come from when the ferns are in danger, or the ferns are, you know, don't want to spoil anything, as I said, perhaps injured in some way. Um, but that gives that really does... That sort of high level of emotional stuff gives Zach a chance to really show off his range as an actor. Now, fortuitously, we are in a studio right now with a noted film critic. Yes. We're also talking to a guy of whom has run a number of podcasts based off beloved movies, respected films. Uh, so, Blake, one of your podcasts is One Heat Minute, yes. exploring the 1995 Michael Mann film, One Minute at a Time. Yes, indeed. Okay. <laughs> yes, it was, he says. You've also looked at The Last of the Mohicans. Uh, you've got an Inherent Vice podcast coming up soon. Jason uh, Podcast. For, for a bit of fun, you've got the Jason and the Pussycats. Would you ever take on a serious project like the Between Two Ferns movie as uh, something you'd explore one minute at a time? Absolutely not. Uh, because, <laughs> because, see, this is what happens. I'm finding it hard to find five minutes worth of stuff to talk about. No, but this, is what, this is what I'd say about Between Two Ferns, the movie, is that the it is like... There are morsels of gold that happen, yes. and they are stuck together with really dodgy, <laughs> shitty masking tape yeah. that you found in the shed at your nan's house 25 years ago. So, it's just these beautiful, like, like amazing things, but it's just... I think all the scaffolding around the actual cameos and the pratfalls and the actual moments, it just... It's so ludicrous. Yes. The whole time I was just sort of... When I wasn't cacking myself at the celebrity cameos and the jokes that happen in the context of the Between Two Ferns method that we've seen in the series, which is just, might I say, like one of the best interview shows maybe that has ever existed. Like, yeah. it has a caliber of interviews and just the way that people, like, sign on to be eviscerated. It's a really great thing. It's like, the, it's like, a, it's like a roast, but with much more class. And... 
that's all there, but this dumb thing about you getting a movie at the end is just an excuse <laughs> yeah. for Will Ferrell to yell at Zach Alpine. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so I was like, I literally was just pondering. I found myself like in the in-between bits where I was bored. I was like looking at the ceiling going... Yeah, in the like actual story yeah, of the whole uh, film. Yeah, the story. I was, which like, is probably I was like, how did they even meet to decide that this is what they would spend their money on? Yeah, I know. Like it's dopey, but okay, it's l- inoffensive. Legitimate question. So I haven't watched the film yet. It's been on my list of things I desperately need to check out. If I sit down to watch it, obviously there's going to be some very slow patches where I'm probably going to be not so engaged in it. Is it something where I can feel comfortable that I can pick up a phone and still not miss things? Or do I need to be actively watching? You can pick up a phone. You can pick up a fry pan. I think I changed three nappies. You can read a book. I I changed three nappies. I was eating eating a packet of Doritos. I finished them. I pondered what I would eat next. Made a podcast. I looked away from the screen several times. I probably emailed a podcast guest (laughs) on my phone. Um, it's, It's something that you can passively watch. The goal, though, you'll put your phone down as soon as... You see a guest pop up as yeah, soon as you yeah. see someone. Like one of my, you know, there's um, like there's a there's a Mad Men joke just in a title that's placed on a screen that made me scream <laughs> with laughter. Now I just assume John Hamm is in this. Yes, you can assume that. Yeah. Um, but the joke, like you know, funnily in between two ferns, one of the things is like how he titles people's names and <laughs> yeah, things yeah. like that, and just what he puts up for Don. Uh, for, um, uh, John, for Ham. John Ham, sorry, I, I almost went straight to Don Draper for thinking of Mad Men. But what he puts up for John Ham made me just scream with laughter. Like it, that was actually worth it. I was watching this dopey movie. I was thinking, I don't understand how it even got made. <laughs> that was yeah, so much of it was so just shaking was like, my head. Was, yeah, yeah. shaking my head at like how it got made. But the actual between two ferns stuff is is outstanding. And it's like the question is, how much do I even care? Because it's on Netflix, so I can so passively consume it and then see. Yeah. It. And it's kind of obviously they didn't set the bar very high for oh. themselves. Like I don't think this is something that they really, you know, we're kind of like, all right, what's the easiest way we can do this? Would each of you say this is probably one of the most enjoyable things you've watched on Netflix recently? Uh, no, but no. it was it was a good. It's definitely not as enjoyable as watching Between Two Ferns. No, but um, it, but it was still it was still. I mean, you know, I'm, it was it was fine. In, in, the reason in, I asked that, in contrast, yeah. I would just say because if, if it does have its funny moments. In like I'm extremely late to the party on Fleabag, extremely late. So I'm not even going to say, but I in the first three episodes of Fleabag, like series one, which I think is about the same amount of time, at length of time as 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 the Zach uh, yeah, movie probably. between two films. It's it's a short film. It's yeah. like short films, like ninety minutes. So let's just say it's about the length of three episodes of Fleabag. I was crying and screaming with laughter. And to the point, this is how I know a show is good, is like my wife is usually like pottering around on her phone like where we're watching something new that she hasn't seen before. The phones were down. There were no phones up in our house being watched. It was us just absolutely losing our shit at Fleabag. Pound for pound, way funnier. I immediately after Between Two Ferns, I watched the first episode of the new series of um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which again, I, I laughed like very hard for 30 minutes straight <laughs> and was like, oh yeah, that's what it's like. I remember what it's like to laugh. <laughs> Okay, well, the reason I was asking about Between Two Ferns and, like, the value that you're getting from it is I just find something very interesting in that we look at TV now with the idea it needs to be, like, big-budget things that kind of meet the caliber of feature films, but some of the most enjoyable things we watch are just really sort of small, cheap, lo-fi things. So Absolutely. I thought maybe this sort of falls into this it category. It just doesn't quite get yeah. there as far as... But, like, last week on the show, we were talking about The Chef Show. Yes. And, like, that's an incredibly low-budget show, which has huge... just 
enjoyment value. Yeah. And you say, well, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You don't get a cheaper show. Than no, that. they can't spend any money on that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I'm a big fan of that kind of uh, the, the mid-budget film as well, you know. And I'm a very big fan of the 90-minute 90, 90 film. Mm. Any movies that go over that, well, you've lost me. <laughs> Ten minutes over that. But, um, no, but I mean, I know, it's just... Oh, 1995 movies, 166 minutes, <laughs> not with standing credits that... <laughs> Is definitely worth your time. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll get onto it. I'm sure I'll watch it one day. I'll put it on the list. Um, but no, it's like it's just. I, I know what you're hoping it is, and it's not quite that. No. But it's but it's still you'll watch no, it and you'll no, enjoy I, it. I, I, th- <laughs> I think you'll you'll find the morsels of enjoyment. I think if anyone watches it and can sort of passively, it's one of those like least active and focused watches. And I think for anyone who it lives in a lives a multi screen life, or maybe has kids, or even like a pet that's like demanding or whatever, <laughs> it's like the best thing to put on because. If you miss something, it's not important. Like <laughs> it literally is not important. Don't miss the credits. Yes, don't, that's don't the only the bit that was the end. The end credits. The bloopers had me howling too. Um, don't miss. Yeah, like don't miss any of the fern stuff if you can avoid it. Um, <laughs> there's like, some great fern moments. There's some yeah. great fern moments, but yeah, I I don't think. It's, it is fun just sort of watching him be angry and pissed off for the whole you know thing. It like, is? it's basically just him being angry. You know what's good? It's it's a great thing to ask, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, is it movie? Is it a TV? Do, does anyone even give a shit? Yeah, anymore? yeah, yeah. So it's art. <laughs> is it's, it? It's definitely art. It's, it's, you, you know it's art when you see it. You know, Zach, you know when he does That's his... That's how I um, feel also about pornography. <laughs> you know when he when Zach does his, like, cousin or his brother or something? He's got that character he does, which is, like, his redneck brother or redneck cousin or I can't yeah. remember the whole thing. But it, it had that it had that vibe a lot more about his character sort of was a bit of that. Because it was, you know, the concept is that it's this very small cable channel and, you know, it's just weird and everyone hates him there, but they get to meet all these celebrities, so it's good. So it kind of had... So they keep him around. Yeah. So it tapped into that sort of uncomfortable weirdness of that kind of small town very well. But that didn't necessarily make it any more enjoyable either. Yeah. Uh, now, we probably need to wind this up because remember how I was talking earlier about how he hogtied Blake to the chair? Yes. I can see some blood starting All to right, come up through the let's rope. Let's let him go. Anyway, before we do, yes. I just wanted to give one final recommendation, something just weird that I saw. You know when you're on YouTube and you get like an autoplay video and it's something that you'd never thought you'd watch in the world and usually just shut it off? Yes. I got that, but it was something of which I started watching because it was just kind of in the background. I just heard the noise of it, and it struck me as being just remarkably funny. It started auto-playing for me a 10-minute clip reel of Friends, like, bloopers from the TV show Friends. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, I don't watch the show Friends. I've seen a couple of episodes here and there. Like, I'm not invested in this program at all. But the bloopers... Absolutely fucking hilarious. Man, bloopers are so good. Bloopers are good. So it was like, there was apparently like a number of collections that this person has had. So it was like collection four. Oh, okay, but back. if you just do like friends bloopers and maybe put the number four afterwards, okay. I guarantee you there is hilarity to be found. I need to give you one top shelf blooper recommendation, which is maybe <laughs> the funniest bloopers I've ever seen. If you ever watch Extras, Richard yeah. Jervais and Steve Mitchell oh, yeah, follow yeah, up yeah, to the right. office, the bloopers on Extras, both season one and two, are un effing believable like they make me hurt my insides hurt like Dame Diana Rigg having a condom thrown on her and people trying to keep a straight face etc Dan- um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe like playing a boy scout that's not <laughs> Harry Potter in a magical place you know like just the, uh, Ricky Gervais corpsing everyone and laughing at people just his think, giggle right his oh, cackle and so, his giggle is, so is very funny crazy good yeah it has got to be on YouTube 
the um, was it Dick Clark's bloopers? Do you remember that? Yeah, it used yeah. to be on the TV. Jeez, what was that the show was cool. called? It was like I think it was called Dick Clark's bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> it was like bloopers and something. Yeah, you're yeah. right. No, it was something different. God, that was always a highlight. I used to love that. You'd get some Family Ties bloopers or something like I'm that. I'm going to be firing that up on YouTube when I get home. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, there'll be links to that posted in our um, Always Be Watching Facebook community, which is one of the ways you can get in touch with us. Yes. See how I did that? I did a segue. You did. It was to, very to ending. And, and Dan then, was so shocked he folded his heart. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> um, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. I can't remember if I'm hosting or not. I think you were hosting this one, but I'll, I'm, I'm oh, going now. You're hosting. One of the things you can do is you can um, subscribe to the email uh, list that comes out every day. Dan writes articles about the television shows that are on and various things relating to um, movies television and screen culture they're very good emails i read them uh most mornings um i always read friday because that's when you get the recommendations for the weekend when i we all have a lot of spare time we, we do a list of all the shows that debuted that week it's fantastic stuff i love when you say we because it really makes it sound like i have something to do with it and it's just couldn't be further from the truth i've been watching a lot of the crown recently so it was the royal week <laughs> oh yeah the crown i, I saw the uh, well let's let, we'll leave that for another time or did we do that already no okay, we haven't but we should we'll do it next week because i've watched a bit of that too um thank you so much blake for coming in once Thanks, again Chris. it's an honor to have you here can Thanks, you Dan. um do a shorter version of the many projects you're working I'll, on that I'll, we did I'll, last I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do a much shorter <laughs> version um weekly on the take you guys can hear me there um and catch up on the last 12 minutes of the mohicans the um, take reviews films Oh, sorry. The take um, on flicks.com.au is we're not reviewing films. We're just uh, tackling the biggest topics of the week um, on your stream and screen. So we tackle something big. Uh, last week's episode, um, as you guys m- might be listening, um, now would be uh, The Joker. So we're tackling all, oh, things, yes, cool. um, all things The Joker there. So do you um, talk about the, w- the wider conversations yeah, that are happening wider, around it? wider conversations. So we, we're, we're going to be talking more specifically deep diving on The Joker with Luke Buckmaster, who I believe very much enjoyed it, and Lauren. Barber and I who perhaps didn't um, and the week before's episode if you want to catch up and play catch up we talked the best space movies around the discussions of Ad Astra and Brad Pitt and James Gray's movie as well a little bit more of a deep dive in there as well cool. so lots of the different uh, weeks we just try and pick into what people are discussing based on what's happening in on the stream and screen and Fine. so that's that's a that's a good one for you guys to listen to. And last 12 minutes of the Mohicans a nice short morsel sized powerhouse punch of uh, of Michael Mann discussion if you don't have time for 177 episodes of One Heat Minute. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Hopefully you will be back again soon. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you can find Dan Barrett at the at Dan Barrett. At the Dan Barrett. On the Twitters. On the Twitters and maybe the Instagram. Yeah, yeah probably. Probably. And, love um, your Elwood. Uh, Elwood. <laughs> well, hashtag Radical Elwood. Hashtag Radical Elwood. Yeah, that's good. It's a hell of a suburb. It's good. Um, and you can't find me at all because I'm invisible. Um, thank you very much for listening to Always Be Watching. Tell your friends. Tell your friends.